to come back to John 14, um, and particularly the sixth verse where Jesus declares that he is the way and the truth and the life. And today I want to focus a bit on the truth. And I can already hear in advance my wife's critique of this sermon. Uh, after this, she'll only be at the second service today. I know in advance um, that she'll say, well, that was awfully intellectual. Or you didn't tell many stories or something like that. So maybe the Holy Spirit will help me. Jesus is the way. And last week, I tried to illuminate that by reminding us all of his initial words to those who would follow him. And those words were, follow me, follow me. The, 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 the call of Christ Jesus, the moment that it comes to any of us, is a call to follow. And many of us begin to follow and falter. Um, often the faltering comes in the, in the early adulthood, the, the shift between being a child and being an adult. And, and yet the moment we awaken, the moment the Spirit of God begins to touch us or go before us or our conscience begins to work on us, we know that he has said, Jesus has said, follow me. So following him is the only way to find the way. I could put it that way. We, we follow him. We, we, we want to follow him. And now we're going to focus on his declaring that he is the truth. If we follow Jesus Christ, we will come to know the truth. And, and he tells us, not today in this reading, but he tells us elsewhere, that if we, if we live with him, if we follow him, if we listen to him, if we learn from him, if we know him, if we stand firm in him and abide in him, we will know the truth. And the truth will set us free. The Spirit of God, he tells us today, is going to be given to all who follow Jesus. And that Spirit of God is a Spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit cannot lead us into falsehood. The Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And so... For many, as we grow, the question becomes, am I willing to be led? Am I willing to be led into the truth that is in Christ Jesus? Because the, the longer we live, the more we are aware that there are, there are many around us who don't seem to want to be led by the Lord. And we know in our own lives the challenges for ourselves in following where he leads us. So there, there are a number of obstacles to being led into the truth. And the, the, the simplest one is that we are ignorant. We, we know nothing of, of, of the claims of Christ. We know nothing of the teaching. We know nothing of his goodness. We haven't heard. Or if we've heard, we've heard in such a, 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 a strange and confused way um, that we've never, been, we've never been privileged to know someone who is following him so that we can have an example of what that means. So we can see what that means. We can start to have, have an understanding of what that means. Sometimes an obstacle is we have been taught very, very badly. We, we have picked up teaching that's just not true. You 
are probably, like me, among those who have nothing but thanksgiving to God that as a child you were taught right and wrong. That you were taught what was good and what was not good. What was true and what was not true. When I look back on my life, I remember a moment, very critical moments when I was being taught by my father and my mother the difference between what was true and what was false. Um, My earliest memory as a child, I think I've shared this somewhere in the last 10 years with this congregation perhaps, but mom and dad went to visit an older couple known to my mom and dad somehow, at least my father. We were living in my father's hometown. I cannot remember my sister, who's only 13 months younger than me, but she must have been in my mother's arms. I, I, I can't imagine I have a memory earlier than, than that Deborah was alive. But we went to visit this lovely elderly couple, and they had some toys to play with. And one of those toys was a little rubber squeezy that would squeak if you, if you, if you squeezed it. And it was Mickey Mouse flying a, a single-wing plane with an open cockpit, this little rubber airplane with Mickey Mouse in it that would squeak. I put it under my coat when we were leaving. I had been playing with it for however long we were there, and it was re- I really liked it. And I stuck it under my coat. We didn't have far to go till we were home. And of course, mom started to take my coat off and this little airplane fell at my feet. Immediately, I got a lecture um, about right and wrong. And my father picked me up in his arms and off we went, back to the place. And my dad said, now Johnny, when they open the door, you have to tell them that you did something wrong and you have to give back the the airplane. I couldn't have been more than three or four years old. I thank God for that. I remember when I was a young man and I was training for, I'd been training for uh, uh, ordination for almost getting on to four years, a year in America and three years in England. And I was about to enter into my first, uh, my first job, my first assignment as an ordained minister in an English parish church. And the rector of that church and the custom of that church was that every Friday night, um, Father Davis, as we called him, Father Davis or, or one of the other clergy would be in the church from five to six on Friday night and be in the church from five to six on Saturday night. And anyone that desired could come and make a personal confession. And as he was grilling me a little bit about taking up the position of being the junior curate on the staff, he asked me when I'd made my last confession. (laughs) And it had been many years. In fact, only once in my life had I ever made an intentional personal confession apart from the confession we do on Sunday. And... um, I stumbled out some sort of answer, and he said, well, meet me in the church tomorrow. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there at 12 noon, because uh, it wasn't Friday or Saturday. 
and I think he saw the deer in the headlights sort of look on, on my face. And he said, um, he said, you do know how to make a, a confession, don't you? And I said, well, I could use a little primer, a little, little help. And he said, well, just ask God to bring to your memory everything you've ever done wrong and write it down. And then he said, just clump it, group it. You know, you don't have to tell me something 68 times. Just, you know, and so, so that's what I did. Uh, he left me, I started praying, and I started shaking inside. I started being really nervous. Because you know what? I discovered the next day. It's easy to confess to God when no one's around. But confessing to God when someone's going to hear it, and when he's your boss, and not knowing, being such a fool, not knowing that he wasn't going to say it next week, so when did you last kill a dog? Or whatever. You know, he was not going to do that because that's utterly and completely contrary to the teaching of the church. Once it was confessed, it would be over. But to tell him or to tell God in his presence was excruciating. And I was unable to do it without weeping. And I was 27 years old. But in that moment, I was facing the truth. I was facing the truth. And Jesus teaches that the truth will set us free. The truth will set us free. So we can be ignorant, we can be confused, or we can be resisting. We can be rebelling. We can know things are true, and yet we go on thinking them, go on speaking them, go on doing them. Now, we are among the privileged gloriously, wondrously, gracefully aware of what God has spoken. It, it is a part of our faith. It is at the source of our faith. It is the foundation of our faith that God has spoken and we are not ignorant. We are not among those who are ignorant. And to the best of our ability, as we walk in the truth of the scriptures and the teaching of our community, which is, is so wonderfully uh, captured, not perfectly, but wonderfully captured in our, in our hymnody and in our prayer book, we, we are face to face with the truth. We are not being told lies. We are being told about a God who loves us who made us, who calls us, who has a purpose for us. We are being told of a God who gave his, himself for us, that we would be free, that we would be forgiven, that we would be part of the communion of God's people, that we would know life, that one day we would know it abundantly and eternally, and we have nothing to fear. We, we, are, we are blessed to know that because of our determination and our decision and our belief and our confidence in Christ Jesus, the Spirit of God is leading us step by step to home. This is the foundation of our faith. And the only way to grow strong in that truth, the only way that we can continue to build into ourselves the reality of the truth of the gospel, once we have believed it, once we have 
stepped across that line from this is interesting to this is demanding my life. This is true. I'm going to yield my life to this truth. And I'm going to let this truth guide me. I'm going to let this truth teach me. I'm going to let this truth help me know what is right and what is wrong and where to go and where not to go and what to say and what not to stay. We learn that together as the community of God's people. But every truth we learn is rooted deeply in the scriptures. The moment we begin to move away from what the scriptures teach, ever so slightly, we move away from the truth. Now, we who belong to Christ have heard him say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And what we'll try by God's grace to unpack another day is that as we live into that, we begin to know life more and more and more wondrously, not perfectly, not without suffering, not without error, not without mistakes, but more and more and more, the life that is in God, revealed in Jesus Christ, lives in us. But we must know the scriptures. We must. Now the beauty of our liturgy, kill that little thing. <laughs> Thou shalt not murder except little bugs on the, on the pulpit. I'm not sure I got him. I may, I may have to whack again. Boy, that took me right out of my thoughts. <laughs> We've heard the Apostle Paul this morning, and it bears wonderful um, attention later in your day or later in your week. The 15th chapter of the first letter to the Corinthians, where Paul sums up in a very succinct way in just a few sentences the, the good news of Jesus Christ that was preached from the day of the Lord's resurrection. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that we have believed, if we have believed, the gospel that we have received, if we have received it, the gospel in which we stand, as he says, meaning that we live in it. We're, we're not once upon a time I said, okay, no, we're, we're continuing in it. We're standing firm in it. And it is this gospel by which we are saved. I commend to you those verses. Go back to them. You also heard Jesus say today in the gospel, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he goes on to say in that chapter that when we commit ourselves to walk in the way, when we commit ourselves to learn the truth and to walk in that truth, the Holy Spirit is given to us to continue to guide us and lead us into more and more understanding of the truth that has been revealed. The spirit of truth is given to those who begin to follow with a true heart the Lord Jesus Christ.
And that Holy Spirit, through the word of God, will teach us the way to eternity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.